So that is concretism. Um, that's microwave <laughs> relay. Uh, it's from the album for concrete and country, which came out. Was it last year? Twenty eighteen. Was it twenty? No, it was yeah. last year, wasn't it? Yeah. It, uh, if this is twenty, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. <laughs> Advanced <laughs> mathematics on BBC Two's. <laughs> on tomorrow night's program, module four, particle yeah. physics. That's why Bob wears a kipper tie all the time. It is true. He's always presenting up in university. Extensive collection. <laughs> um, right. Uh, it is BBC Two's. It's Bob. Fisher here, our electronica wizard Kev Oyston is in the studio as well. And joining us live on the line, the man who is concretism, Chris Sharp is with us. Hello Chris. Hi Bob, how are you? I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, not too bad. How's Kev? Yes, I'm very well Chris. Good to hear from you, my <laughs> old friend. You. We go back a ways, uh, do, do, do Chris and I, so oh, it's, good, it's good to hear his little voice oh. from uh, all the way down in, is it Essex, isn't it Chris? You're down, down, uh, down, in, down in lovely sunny Essex. Yeah. That's the one, yeah. Oh, how fabulous. Oh, I'm glad to, uh, to have brought you together again. Uh, I feel like Silla Black on Surprise Surprise. <laughs> it's quite tearful. It's like, yeah. it's like this is your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. here's, yeah. here's a voice you've not heard for a long time. Oh, thanks, Eamon. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so congratulations on, uh, on the album, Chris, on uh, For Concrete and Country. Um, mm. It is a hugely evocative piece of work. And, and, and tell us a bit about Concretism. When did you start making music under that name? It was kind of, it was around about 2010. And at the time, I think about the year before, I'd just discovered Boards of Canada. Yeah. Um, and they were like a massive influence on me. I mean, I've always kind of written music. And I got quite bored and quite despondent with it. And I remember hearing Boards of Canada and it absolutely blew me away. And I just, at the time, just thought, I want to make music like that. What really fascinated me was the fact that they can sort of evoke and create this feeling that you've sort of gone back in time and their music is just so evocative and it really does take you away to another place. And that's kind of how it started. But the Concretism Project, when it began, was quite different to what it is now. So it's more of a more of a sort of a, a drone project. And also it wasn't as Cold War influenced as it is now. So mm. the first few years of when I was doing Concretism, it was more influenced, I mean, it still is, but it was more influenced by things like public information films and a lot of stuff from the 70s and sort of old documentaries and stuff. And so in the last few years, it's taken a, a very sort of Cold War direction, which is, you know, it's, it's only a good thing. Yeah, indeed. I mean, we were talking about uh, the way in which the Cold War permeated our childhoods in the 1980s. And I'm guessing um, it was the same experience for you, was it, Chris? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, when I was a kid of the 80s, and I remember all that. I remember particularly like the Star Wars program. Um, yeah. I think that's, yes. that's what I think made the 80s such a scary time with regards to nuclear confrontation was Reagan's stance against the Soviet Union. And part of that was the Star Wars program. Mm. And then we had obviously Chernobyl was a massive thing that happened. Yeah. That was 1986. Yeah. And although that wasn't nuclear war, it was still nuclear. And I remember being a kid because I used to watch the news when I was a kid because I, I was a strange child. And I remember watching uh, all the Chernobyl <laughs> stuff on, on the news and thinking, oh my God, that's terrifying. You know, what if the radiation gets over here? So I remember that. And also another thing, when I was a kid and I was about nine or 10, my dad took me to the cinema to see When the Wind Blows, which yeah. I'm sure is not a film you should really take a nine-year-old No, I can't see. believe you went to see um, it at the cinema, really. Yeah, I, I saw it at the cinema. And I, I remember I was so I, depressed and upset. And to this day... I haven't seen it since. I've only ever seen When the Wind Blows once. And I, I refuse to watch it. Even as, an, even as an adult, I refuse to watch When the Wind Blows. I will not watch that film. I because bet your dad... me so much. 
I bet your dad, Chris, thought. I bet you thought he was doing a really good thing because you would have thought, "Oh, it's the same guy who did the snowman." So yeah, there's a cartoon on. There's <laughs> yeah. a cartoon on yeah. at the cinema. Let's take him to I'll see take Chris. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you yeah. see? When the blows, I cannot watch that film. So that mm. that probably permeated to a certain extent. But it's funny because I can watch Threads, and I've watched Threads a million times. Yeah. I was just about to say about Threads. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I never saw it as a kid, but I've only ever seen it as right. an adult. And Threads, I just think, is quite a funny film. Because oh, come on! No, because the characters in Threads... <laughs> it's a great so comedy. ...are two-dimensional, aren't they? I mean, the characters are in it are a bit rubbish. Um, no! You don't, really, you don't really care about the characters in Threads, whereas if you watch... Um, I knew you said The Snowman. If you watch When the Wind Blows, <laughs> you really snowman. care about this, this old yeah. couple. <laughs> no, know? it's true. I, I care about the characters in Threads. So oh, much so. The, the last time I tried to watch it, I got about half an hour in and the feeling of impending doom was so much I, had to, I was like I, I don't want to see Reese Dinsdale die I like Reese Dinsdale yeah, um, we will like Reese Dinsdale obviously but um, <laughs> no and those threads I, I can watch threads and it doesn't bother me at all when the wind blows no I can't watch that film for, I, 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 I once saw uh, is it, it's uh, David Brearley isn't it that plays uh, the dad in threads yes um, who was also the voice of K9 at one yes, point in was. Doctor yeah, Who yeah, and I once, I once saw him at a Doctor Who convention in Stockton and uh, so, uh, somebody asked him you know can I just ask about uh, you know, your memories of working on threads because uh, you know such a, a, a disturbing piece of TV drama and David Brealy just said oh threads I had a lovely time on threads oh the <laughs> cast were marvellous the crew were yeah. wonderful oh we never stopped laughing that's, yeah. that's possibly not the answer Having... the guy was expecting yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, great fun did, did you have did you have sirens anywhere near you as a kid at all Chris well I live quite close to the Thames because I live right in the south of Essex yeah. and we have flood sirens down on the Thames which are basically just repurposed Second World War air raid sirens. Right. And every morning, and I, and so not every morning, that'd be strange, every, I think it's every <laughs> Thursday morning at 11 o'clock, they test the sirens. So they give it one blast for about 30 seconds. Wow. So quite often if I'm working at home and I have the window open, at uh, 11 <laughs> o'clock I'll hear this, and it's not rising or falling, it just sort of rises and then, then drop right. down again. It but it's pretty out. scary. I mean, luckily, I know what that is, but I think if yeah. anyone was in the town, they didn't know that we tested <laughs> the flood sirens every week. Um, they'd, they would sort themselves, I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure I've seen somewhere there are no like nuclear attack sirens in the UK anymore. We don't have them anymore. There... You're uh, going to dispute this now, aren't you, the pair of you? I think I think there is one or two sort uh, of sitting there redundant. I, I, am I, I right, Chris? Uh, well, I think what it is, I think during the Cold War... A lot of stuff is sort of repurposed. So air raid mm. sirens, well, they just used air raid sirens that they had left over in World War Two, yeah. And also bunkers. So underground bunkers, they used old sort of World War Two bunkers and, yeah. and reclaimed spaces. So I don't know whether we have... There must be some kind of attack warning now. It was probably like a text message, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anyone would... Like, like, like the thing they had in Hawaii, didn't they, about a year ago when they got this... Uh, oh, that's warning. right. Everyone got texted. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I, yes. think it would be, I think it would be that, yeah, or it would be something like a WhatsApp message or, <laughs> yeah. or a tweet or something. It would totally be, useless. It'd be a tweet with a smiley at the end of it. Yeah. Back, yeah. back in the olden days, it would have been a guy knocking on your window with a long stick. That was, yeah. Yes, that's the kind of technology I can cope yeah. with. Yeah. Um, I, I did see you performing, uh, it's a couple of years ago now Chris um, a, a, an extraordinary evening this it was an evening of uh, of electronica 
uh, in a nuclear bunker, the Kelvden Hatch nuclear bunker in Essex. So it's, it's a local gig for you, I guess. Um, but <laughs> this is the bunker that the government would have been evacuated to in the event mm. of a nuclear war yeah. uh, in the in the 70s or 80s. And it's all, it's absolutely intact as it yeah. would have been when it was decommissioned mm. uh, in 1991. Uh, what did you make of the place, Chris? It was incredible, wasn't it? It was pretty cool. I didn't actually get to see much of the bunker because I, it took me about an hour, an hour and a half to set my gear up. Right. And then I did my gig. I played for, I think it's just over three hours. And then I had to quickly, because my mate, who was my roadie, yeah. he had to catch an early flight in the morning. So basically, uh-huh. I had to, as soon as I finished, I packed all my gear up and just got in the car and left. So I briefly had a very quick look around the bunker just after I sound checked. So what I saw of it, it was really impressive and it was really big. It's very creepy. I found it yeah. very creepy. There's something very unsettling about it, even though it was never used for real. There's a very sort of creepy atmosphere to it, and not helped by the fact that there are mannequins and dummies all over the place <laughs> for some <laughs> odd reason. There's, um, there's but a it's dum- a no, fantastic place. There's a dummy of John Major on the Prime Minister's bed <laughs> in Kelton yeah. Hatch Nuclear yeah. Bunker, complete with glasses. <laughs> That's enough to scare the wits out of you, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, talk us through uh, through the album a little bit, Chris, through uh, For Concrete and Country, because we, mm. uh, we played a track from it there called Microwave Relay, which um, was, was, the, was the microwave relay some kind of messaging system in the event of a nuclear attack? Microwave Relay is a reference to the microwave tower network, which was codenamed Backbone during the Cold War. And so they built a lot of these big sort of wire mesh towers, which a lot of them are still standing now. Some of them are concrete as well. In fact, right. part of that backbone network was, of course, the post office tower, um, which is still ah. standing. But again, I think a lot of it was repurposed and reused for, or used at the same time for, I think, television broadcasts and radio broadcasts as well. I mean, BBCTs may well be using one of the old backbone masts it's more than um, likely but wow. uh, yeah so, so microwave relay is a reference to the microwave network which again it would have been resilient to nuclear attack right because um, so there's a track on there called pie green tower as well was that part yeah. of the same network that was one of the towers yeah that was a concrete one i'm always intrigued given that this stuff absolutely traumatized us as children yeah. and scarred our childhoods why are we all looking back on this? With we've almost got rose-tinted glasses on here. We're like the four Yorkshiremen from <laughs> Monty Python. Yeah. You know, looking back at this period of our lives when we were absolutely terrified of nuclear war, but looking back on it with kind of great affection. Can you explain this at all, Chris? Because I can't. Uh, I don't know. I think it could be the fact that nuclear war never actually happened. There's a sort of relief, isn't there? And we can look yeah. back at all these horrific things like Fred's and mm. When the Wind Blows, obviously, but not me because I won't watch it. But if, you, if, you, if you're happy enough to watch When the Wind Blows, we look back at these things. And I think there is a kind of relief as adults that that war never happened because mm. it would have been absolutely horrific. I mean, it could still happen. But I think what we need to worry about more in the 21st century going forward, more than nuclear war, just to depress everyone, is artificial intelligence, which a lot of people are saying is a bigger threat to the existence of humanity than nuclear weapons. Right. But it doesn't have the same cool factor, does it? <laughs> but but it, it, when, when artificial intelligence uh, doesn't happen in 20 years' time, we'll look yeah. back at it in rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. There'll be a whole movement all about the teenagers of 2019 will be making haunted albums <laughs> about, about the era of artificial intelligence. <laughs> I know. Um, Chris, yeah. um, lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much Very for doing this. Yeah. And uh, what's, what's in the offing, concretism-wise? Uh, new recordings lined up? Uh, performances coming up? 
Yes, I'm doing the, the next Delaware Road thing. So we had the thing in the bunker, which was two years ago now. Yeah. Mm. And we have one in August, August 17th and 18th. Yeah. Um, I'm gutted uh, I can't make that. I, cu- I couldn't make Kelvin oh, Hatch, and I, I, I am so... I, I can't make it, man. I'll be there on your behalf, Kev. No. Please represent well, Bob. <laughs> I will. Represent well. Be- yeah. Behave. This is in Wilshire, isn't it? Yeah. It's, so it's, uh, in, it's, yeah. it's in a... What it is, it's a sort of fake training town for the army. Mm. Right. On Salisbury Plain. Yeah. So if you imagine like a fake town with lots of empty buildings, basically Delaware Road has, <laughs> has hired this whole site... And I'm going to be there for my label, which is Castles in Space mm-hmm. and many other people. So it's for two days. So I think you can camp as well. There's camping. But if you Google the Delaware Road, yeah. you'll see about it. But that's cool. And then I'm also I'm starting, well, I've started a new album, which I've started writing very slowly, <laughs> which is the next thing, the next big project. Do you, want, yeah. do you want a hand, Chris? Do you want me to give you a hand? Okay, yeah. <laughs> don't encourage him Chris don't encourage him uh, Chris thank you again for doing this and we'll catch you on the programme soon I'm sure no worries thanks a lot Yeah, a total pleasure great to hear uh, great to see you. speak to you Chris thank uh, you it's Chris Sharp of uh, Concretism fame and we'll play this uh, from the album again from uh, for Concrete and Country this is Concretism it's called Hardened Telephone Exchange <laughs> 